Our Everest. <laughs> Greetings, culture vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Everest, the analog TV podcast. That is cowering behind a sofa somewhere. Horror. Horror. Genuine horror. We're 14,742 episodes into this wretched podcast, and this is the first horror we've come across. I don't really do horror. That's the thing. It's an acquired taste, a bit of the old horror. I'm a bit of a horror fan. I wouldn't describe myself as a horror buff, but I do like certain types of horror. And one of my favourite types of horror is the portmanteau horror anthology another of my favorite types of horror is the hammer horror so i was delighted to watch hammer house of horror the 1980 itv yeah 13 part yeah i and i saw this episode live well not live but um i i saw it upon first broadcast on before handily for me the football. Oh, well, yeah. This was like the first year that ITV had football on Saturday nights and the BBC had it on Sunday afternoons. So it went from Harrow House of Horror to the big match, which was very pleasing for me. Well, it's always nice when you watch something horrifying, or potentially horrifying at least, to have uh, a salve at the end, something you enjoy so you can push all thoughts of your impending doom from your mind yeah i mean i i have a really difficult relationship with horror it's not that i'm scared of it it's that i think i've discussed on here before the issues i have with suspending my disbelief i think you're just scared of it (laughs) and the fact of the matter is that that's going to be coming up quite a lot in tonight's yeah i can see i can see that because I, I, I just find it difficult, the idea. I watched, i tell you what, actually. I watched uh, Mark Kermode's Secrets of Cinema. Okay, I have that. seen that, yes. And I watched the horror episode specifically hoping to understand oh, okay. what it was that I didn't get about it. And he's very good, Mark Kermode. I like him, I like him a lot. And his explanations were very clear and easy to understand and i came out of it thinking well that's really just not for me yeah. uh, that, that those aren't the things that i want and like i say the, the whole idea of friday the 13th where they always run up towards the back of the house you know what i mean yeah it's like stop 
doing such stupid things. <laughs> Fucking idiots. You know, you deserve by and I get so annoyed at them that twenty five minutes on I'm just like just fucking kill so them. So it's it's just, just just hack them to death. I don't It's care. not a hardline aversion that was brought about by shitting your pants with fright half a dozen times in nineteen eighty as an eight year old boy. My recollection of it is that we thought it was hilarious. Okay. Because let's be real about this. Forty years on. That don't look like blood. No, well, this is one of the things about Hammer and uh, format of this particularly harkens back, I think, to uh, not a Hammer product, but an Amicus Productions product, the portmanteau horror film, where Mm. you would have sort of five stories of of people who had all found themselves squirreled away in, in, in some... area uh, be it a train or a crypt or a basement and yeah. then there will be a twist ending which you know and spoiler alert would usually be that they're all actually dead yeah those films are the absolute bomb diggity but they're not particularly scary and yeah. the blood is a particularly red hue i believe that one of the reasons they had to make the blood as uh, as luridly scarlet as they did mm. was so that it didn't look uh, that yeah much i'm not like surprised by because that because it would be genuinely horrific yeah because at the end of the day it's on at 9 30 on itv yes. in 1980 you know, how lax do you think they were with regulation of that sort of shit then yeah, and this true. one sailed through you know and, it, and the thing is it is I'll give it credit where it's due. It is tense. Well, yeah, there's tension. But at the same time, they're just they they feel like gaping plot holes. I, after watching the specific episode that we'll get to in a minute, I watched at least eight of the thirteen. I I would right. say that they're pretty much of a muchness as regards being scary go mm. this is not the scariest one but i can't say that i was particularly frightened by any of them yeah but then again uh, it's it's more it's 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 meant to i think it's meant to engender a sort of a sense of um i found myself thinking probably about a third of the way through this do these people live in a world in which supernatural things just happen yeah because it feels like there's no. Shall we briefly re- just track back and explain? A well, bit? yeah. Let's. I mean, let's let's get into let's get into the meat of this. Um, uh, uh, this is the fifth of the mm. thirteen episodes. Uh, it's called "The House That Bled to Death," which is a brilliant title. Yeah, I think it's sort of meant to be a nod to The House That Drip Blood, which is one of the amicus portmanteau horrors. Yeah. But The House That Drip Blood just drip blood. This house bled to death. Well... It lost sufficient blood. It was sufficient exsanguination for this house to be declared dead. Now, the thing about that is... <laughs> houses don't bleed. No, they don't. I mean, you can bleed a you can bleed a radiator. I know how to bleed yeah, a yeah. radiator. The radiator that bled to death. Yeah, water, <laughs> not blood. But no, I mean, obviously, one of the I, I 
I wrote down a list of peculiar happenstances, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of a meta list of things that I consider to be peculiar outside of the events of the program from within the world. Yeah. And I thought that one of them was shortly after the uh, the, the family have moved into the house. Yeah. Which I might add later bleeds to death. There, there were a series of sort of bizarre paranormal happenings. Yeah, that all the doors and windows slammed shut. The gas from for the gas fire. Yeah, went on and couldn't be turned off. Uh, and the, and a pipe in the room where the daughter was. Yeah, started to bleed. Yeah. Now, obviously, like like all things. This eventually passed. Well, that, 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 but, but that, then there's, there's, that, a, then there's up, a ring at the door. Yeah, and 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 the neighbours there. Not a word about it is said. Yeah, well, back now, up, a, back up a minute there. Back up a minute, because yeah. at the same time that that happens, like the blood in the wall and all the rest of it, then there's the the gas leak as well. And yeah. that apparently is a completely paranormal thing because he can't smell it or she can't smell it or something. The smell just kind of um, goes away. So then you're thinking, right, okay, well, okay, so this is going to be like a ghost or poltergeist or something. So this is actual paranormal. Okay, fair enough. Then the cat gets hacked to death. It just cut itself going through the window. And I'm sitting there yeah. thinking, that's the least convincing lie I've ever heard. Cats don't do that. That's kind of the thing about cats, you know. That's one of the very few things that cats are very good at, is fitting through gaps without accidentally hacking themselves to death. Yeah. Why don't they go to the police at that point? And then, of course, it comes out that it's all a big switcheroo. And it's like, but that, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, as as with all horror anthologies, there has to be a twist ending. Yeah, which is, which is fine. But if you're going to set up a twist ending... You've got to make the things that build up to that twist ending consistent. Yeah, I can see that. It's interesting, actually, to what if you watch it a second time with the knowledge that it was all an elaborate sort of production. Yeah. In order to allow the estate agent to write a salacious book and then for them to sell the rights to this book to Hollywood. Yeah. There are there are a number of questions that arrive. Like, who killed the cat? Which one of them killed their own cat? Yeah. Who who put the false teeth and the spectral knitting? Where did they get a human hand from? <laughs> where where did they get a human hand from to put in the fridge? Yeah. It, it, there are a number of questions. And I think you go along with it when you watch it for the first time, thinking, well, this is all, you know, a very supernatural series of... A- paranormal occurrence yeah no that's what bugged me is that it wasn't it was six or one and a half dozen of the other they couldn't yeah. have staged that blood coming out the pipes of course what? they couldn't that's ridiculous or the gas suddenly not being there anymore or, no, I mean... or all that other stuff that happened they couldn't have staged that so how did that happen then i didn't think a switch was coming but the only reason I didn't think a switch was coming was because I felt as if there was no there was no way that one could. Do you know what I mean? I knew that there would be a switch coming because I am 
probably more conversant with the uh, conventions of this sort of thing. Uh, but I had no idea what it was going to be. And uh, in a way, uh, I think that the, the switcheroo that they pulled was uh, a little unsatisfactory on a number of levels. It was really, really weak. It was really weak. Right the way up to that, I'm like, well, I think the police would want to investigate in several different respects. By the time it got to um, like the, the, the post-cat hacking, <laughs> I was just... They need to go back to either the estate agents or the solicitors. They've clearly got the basis of a legal claim here. Well, yeah. And at this stage, at this stage, they are just repeatedly traumatising their child. I mean, does this kid go to school? And if it does go to school, then shouldn't she be, like, saying something to a teacher or something? Shouldn't social services be getting involved? Yeah. Regardless of what's going on, if the child is living in a state of abject fright... (laughs) You would expect it to be removed from the property, and that, that, and that. This is this is where it kind of the whole program start, starts to fall apart a bit for me, and you know the the bit of tension that had built up in the air and downstairs when I was watching this just it just disappeared like the gas. You the are a the... very literal person. This is uh, one of the problems that you're going to experience with horror. <laughs> Well, no, that, that, that's fine. But like I say, you know, there's, there's, there's that, that, that issue of it being a kind of mixture of paranormal and straightforward psychopathy made the whole thing unbelievable to me quite early. Yeah. Because I was like, well, this is clearly just two completely different worlds colliding here. I think it's fairly obvious that these people have got uh, sufficient grounds for a legal claim, like even before the credits... You know, it's a pre-credit yeah. sequence where the whole premise of the program is set up, which is, you know, it was a murder house. The man poisoned his wife's cocoa, and then as she struggled to breathe or, you know, take one of her tablets, he um, gets these his uh, ceremonial daggers down from the wall and starts, sh- well, starts I... sharpening them up, which is a weird time to start sharpening them up. But yeah. he supposedly hacked her up and left her all around the garden. Yeah. So what you've got there, you've got a murder house. You've got an undeclared murder house. Yeah. There's got to be some statute in law. And this is my biggest bugbear about the thing, is when the shady, snidey, rat-faced estate agent takes... Oh, with Milton Johns, it's always a pleasure to see oh, Milton yeah, Johns. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to come on to the things that I like about this, but... Let's take a moment to appreciate Milton Johns, who is he's, he's one of the great second division character actors of the 70s if and 80s. If you want snide, yeah. you've got to get Milton Johns in. There we are, 42 Coleman Road. There's no sale board up. No, well, it's been on the market quite a while. Conventional mortgages are rather tricky on these older properties. Well, beggars can't be choosers. I think it'll do very well. Shall I go inside? Well, he hasn't even been in the house yet. Who who buys a house like that? House prices maybe weren't as sky high in the 1980s as they are now. But you've got to... This is my advice to anyone. If you're going to buy a house, look inside the house. No, you see? There, there, right. Now, that feeling that you had in that moment, that's the feeling that I have all the time 
when I'm watching horror. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief. I can't, I can't carry this weight. You know, it's like I can't support this on my shoulders. It's too much for my brain to have to overlook. I think this sort of horror is is going to be abs- the absolute worst for you in that regard because there's always a twist. Well, the, the, I'm fine with there being a twist if the twist seems believable. You know, that that's not the bit that I have issue with. The bit that I have issue with is the bit that justifies the twist. You know, you've, if you're going to do that, if you're going to spend send my expectations for the ending of your TV programme or movie off at 90 degrees, then you've got to make that clever. Yeah. You can't just take two separate things, which is what I feel like they've done here, two separate things and just kind of sellotape them together and just expect me to overlook how unlikely all of this is even allowing for the you know the tropes of horror i mean let's touch on the good stuff okay because there was good stuff all right um the good stuff is mostly circumstantial (laughs) this is a part of england that is very seldom seen on the television and the irony of that is that it's actually most of england yeah i was sitting watching it at the very start, when they went to the house, I was like, that looks so familiar. I actually thought it could be St Albans. And it wasn't. It was High Wycombe. Yeah, a lot of them were filmed in uh, in and around sort of Bucks area. So yeah. High Wycombe, Great Missenden. Yeah, that would be presumably... Is it Pinewood Studios? Is that in Buckinghamshire? Uh, possibly. Yeah, it was... It, well, yeah. I mean... I think I've been there. I've been to Pine. We touched. Studios. We touched on ITC, the international arm of ATV, last week, and they had a hand in this. Yes, um, uh, it was a co-production with uh, Hammer, who were pretty much on their uppers as a studio by this point. In terms, well, of- yeah, I mean that 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 kind of slightly schlocky genre of horror had been kind of overwhelmed by altogether more unsettling stuff by the end of the yeah. 70s, hadn't it? Do you know you that know? during the 1970s, Hammer branched out into non-horror films? No, I, I did not know this. I'm interested to... I'm, I can you know. guarantee that you've seen at least one of the, the films ah, that they produced. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Isn't one of the On the Buses On the Buses, films? yes. The On yeah. the Buses movie. The Love Thy Neighbour movie. I, I have not seen that. And Man About the House. I've probably seen that. All Hammers. Yeah. Fucking on the buses. On the buses, yeah. No, it's a... Oh, what a hateful film. God. <laughs> it really... One day we'll do On the Buses on this podcast and then I will really fucking let rip. Jesus it's a, Christ. such a hateful show. So, you enjoyed a little slice of... Middle England, the Middle England that is... It's, well, it's not, no, it's not quite Middle England, not quite Middle England, it's a little bit, it's the, it's the intersection between Middle England and working classing. Yeah. Even, like, the sort of wealthier towns have their kind of areas like this, and that, and that looked very, it looks very, if there is anybody around here who's listening to this podcast who's from St Albans... Looks like cotton mill. It's got that feeling of... It's not completely familiar to me because 
actually at the time that this was made I lived in London so um, you know that 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 kind of world was ever so slightly distant but five years later I would be very familiar yeah. with it and it's unusual to see it on the television you know the bloke drives a full Granada it's, it's proper there's another one who's there's another one who's got a I think it's a um, Avenger Estate. <laughs> it's, and when he shuts the door, it rings because they just basically such crappy metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's little details like that that I'm into. And of course, the other thing is, and this is a very personal perspective, is that in the summer of 1982, I moved into a house that was very much like that house. And what I mean there is that it was dilapidated. Okay. When we moved to the house in the scrap metal yard, the station master's house, that house hadn't been lived in since the 1960s. And so my dad stayed there, I think Monday to Friday, every week throughout the autumn winter of 1981-82 getting it into something approaching a livable state Blimey. for us. He must have had nips like chapel at pegs by the end of that. Yeah, and then we finished and then it finished we fi- he finished it off in the kind of weeks after we moved in. It was just about livable. Mm. I remember watching the 1982 World Cup final on a television that was on a tea chest in an otherwise empty room. Yeah. You know, and when I say empty, I mean no floor, no wallpaper. It was just like stone. <laughs> On the inside. Were there um, and, ceremonial uh, cookery daggers on the wall? Nah, nothing of the sort. And it was a far creepier place because it was in the middle of a scrap metal yard in the middle of nowhere. You know, we talked on a previous podcast about how my uh, the the immediate environs of of where I grew up were like um, just basically a crime watch murder reconstruction. Do you think that scene. had this program come out a few years later and you watched it? on the TV perched on a tea chest in the middle of a completely empty room, it would have had a more visceral effect on your bowels. I don't know. I, I suppose if there was a time when I was nervous about living there, it wasn't when we first moved there. It was maybe a couple of years later. By the time I got to about 12 or 13... The darkness and the quiet at night and the fact that I knew fully well there was no one else around did kind of start to get to me a little bit, you know. Only only a tiny, I was never really that scared of it. Um, but it just gave me pause for thought, you know, a little bit. But when I was actually, when we first moved in there and the place was empty, I didn't think anything of it apart from I just really wished that they'd get this place cleaned up but i mean it was done like i mean it was done within weeks of us moving it it was certainly a very dilapidated house in the uh in the program yeah yeah but yeah that was and that was the weird thing was what was was the state of it inside was not dissimilar it's an instant moment of recognition yeah but the whole you know write a horror book and make a million what the oh shut up <laughs> Well, well I mean, like, you know, when, uh, I've been writing for 15 years now, yeah? And if it was as easy <laughs> as Ooh. have something happen in your house, get a book deal, write a book, make a million pounds, 
Then do you mm. not think I'd have fucking done it by now? Well, I mean, have you looked into any of the things that may have happened in your house? You well, might I, have to I actually lived, do them. I lived about 800 yards from the Enfield poltergeist. I'll have you know. The Enfield poltergeist. Yeah, you Google the Enfield poltergeist when you get a chance. So, you know, I know all about poltergeists. I don't. <laughs> Did but, you ever... Um, I mean, you wouldn't have come face to face with the Enfield poltergeist because famously they don't have faces. Well, and also it was about half a mile away. But, yeah, and, and he was half a mile. But and we, ne- and we ever... never went over... It was the other side of the Cambridge Road, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't go over there particularly. There was no need what? to. I think that, that that shows a paucity of ambition on your part. If there's a genuine real life poltergeist, although I should point out that at the time of the Enfield poltergeist, I was about five. Nevertheless, I wasn't going well, to be going over there on my own, was I? Well, no, but you could. Have, I mean, I don't know. I was I allowed mean, to go to the library on my own. Um, what five? Yeah, it was on. The, well, it was. It was on. It was within the block of flats that we lived. Oh, in, okay. Sort of thing. It was. Well, well, I was a bit right, concerned. Right, right at the edge of it, anyway. Well, no, it wasn't like like. Two and a half miles away, or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. You toddling, get... toddling down the fucking no, side was, of a dual carriageway with your little plump ass. Yeah, no. They, the, the 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 place that we lived in, like I say, they were maisonettes, so there were two stories, two floors, and we were on the top floor. And basically, it was a very long building. So if you went right the way down to the end of one, you could see the library from there. So you just walked. The extra. Oh, okay. Probably well, you know. Out. Well, it was it was not very far, but I mean that was about as far as I was allowed on my own when I was five. By eight, it, I was watching graphic yeah, <laughs> horror well. TV shows. Um, different. It wasn't a different tapas restaurant in this complex, no, was there? No. Oh, different okay. different times, different different times, different, different times, different times. But no, there's no way that I would have been allowed to go over to and I forget what the road was, but. Uh, I know, I know where it was. Rapists Road. On the off chance that there might be a poltergeist. That... Yeah, I mean it's pretty, it's pretty thin. But I mean that it? that made national stu- national news, and I think there's a Wikipedia page. I would it. be very surprised if there isn't. It's the sort of thing that yeah. um, I'm all. I mean, I'm I'm going to be all over that later. I'm going to be getting to the bottom of that. There we go. Oh, there's a film about it. Apparently. The Enfield Poltergeist was a claim of supernatural activity at 284 Green Street, a council house in Brimsdown, Enfield, London. It sounds unlikely, doesn't it, when you read it out like that? Between 1977 and 1979. Quite short-lived, really. The story attracted national press coverage and has been mentioned in books, featured in television documentaries and dramatised in a horror film. But, you know... These these things do exist everywhere. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at it. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page for the Enfield Poltergeist. <laughs> and actually, the homeowner, or the person who moved into the house, and wasn't the homeowner, was renting it, actually, uh, got in contact with police first time in August 1977. Well, I mean, there, therein, therein lies the rub, though, isn't it? Because... You've got a poltergeist in your house, which you know I'll I'll suspend disbelief. Okay, you've got a poltergeist yeah. in your house. You're going to tell someone. You're going to tell yeah. the neighbour that comes knocking on your door the minute after mm. the wall has started bleeding in your daughter's bedroom. Yeah. You. Well, here's a, here's a thing for your paranormals for okay. you. Okay. That a ghost watch is based 
on the Enfield Poltergeist. There you go. Well, now Ghost Watch. So there you are. That was scary. Well, that wasn't scary because that was obviously not really happening because the paranormal isn't real. That's a, a pretty hardcore take. You've well, I watched it, and within ten minutes or fifteen minutes, I was like, I, I, I don't think this is actually genuine. Have you, have you dumb. just dismissed all paranormal phenomenon offhand there? Yes. I see. Do you, it's all made up. Do you not feel that life's a little bit more spicy if you uh, allow yourself a little bit of leeway with regard to? Uh, Unknowable I, things. If I see one, if I see one myself, okay, then I'll start believing in them. I mean, but I need the evidence of my own eyes because I fundamentally do not trust people. I'm a big believer in. Uh, I'm a big fan of cryptozoology. I now, I don't hold with uh, people who say, "Oh, you know, the Jersey Devil and the Tunbridge Wells Bigfoot and all of this, the Beast of Dean." But I will die on the hill that Nessie might be real. There's no fucking way. Oh, it might be. (laughs) Well, um, actually, I saw a very good explanation as to why it isn't, um, which is that the water isn't deep enough to sustain an animal the size. I get the feeling that you would be willing to dredge Loch Ness just to ruin my life. You know, I was there, what, last year? No, well, not last year, year before last now. Even the tour guides there, they don't. They don't believe it. Well, you know, I'm disappointed in all of them because. Are you? Yeah, because um, where's the fun? Where's the fun? Well, it, the thing is that that's the point. Is that it is fun? It's fun because it's not true and it's kind of a bit stupid. But you know, it can it can be fun in that respect. Everybody in good voice. Seven before I burn my fingers. the the money shot of this program well the bit where the house literally bleeds to death does yeah. bleed to death um <laughs> when the channel 4 did the 100 scariest moments program they went through a thing for a while at the beginning of this century doing their 100 biggest laughs 100 biggest scares 100 biggest wastes of time Mm. sort of series of of talking heads programs yeah hammer house of horror was number 50 on the list and the clip that they used to demonstrate hammer house of horror was the birthday party scene from this episode um and it's a fascinating scene one of the mothers who turns up went on to be peggy mitchell yeah the son is kleptomaniac of the highest order 
and and then I mean the the initial scare or fright or paranormal yeah. happening, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, is when the cookery, the ceremonial dagger that they had thrown out, yeah, thrown away, thrown thrown a long long way away, yeah, returns to the house. It's given to Sophia as a present, and Sophia's mum loses her mind. Oh, no! Who did? What kind of a sick joke does anyone think they're playing? Which one of you gave Sophie that as a present? Which one of you? Get out of here! Go on, get out! Go on, all of you! How could anyone? Darling, look, it's just a rusty old sword. Now, Sophie's all right, aren't you, darling? I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to. Well, it's enough to give anyone a shock. Who'd want to give a thing like that to a child? If you were at a birthday party as a seven-year-old... Yeah. ..and your friend's mum went off like that... Yeah. That's, I mean, that's going to be a tough day at school tomorrow, isn't it? Well, again, I mean, you know... Why is no one calling the police about this shit? Why is nobody taking care of this? Why are they all just going, meh? Why, why, why would you accuse a seven-year-old of getting a dagger? I mean, where do they think a seven-year-old's got a dagger from and wrapped well, yeah, it up? All this shit has already happened. All this shit has already happened. And even then, you know, he gets this dagger. And rather than going, oh, fuck. That stuff started again. She's like, why did you wrap it? That doesn't even make any sense. Again. This is the problem with the episode, which is that um, it it can't quite decide what it wants to be. And that really bugs me. It can't decide whether it wants to be. Because you've got to bear in mind that this was being made at the time of the Enfield Poltergeist. You know, this is when it was being written. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Well, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if there's an element of the Enfield poltergeist in this. The conceit of the programme is that William, the father, is in on it with the estate agent, AJ Powers. Yeah. But Emma and Sophia... Yeah, are not in on that, it. She, she, they're not in on it. She was just a single mother that he found. Mm. And I don't know, I mean... Even that's a little bit unclear. What did he do? Yeah, I mean, how did? Yeah, I've, can you pretend to be my wife and and child for a reason that will become apparent? But I can't. But I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> and she went. Yeah, well, yeah, all right. Yeah, whatever. And, and then that shit starts happening, and she carries on with it regardless. Yeah, and so she doesn't. Yeah, uh, 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 no part of it makes any sense, and it's infuriating. Like I say, at the top level, it can't decide what it wants to be. On the one hand, it wants to be poltergeist. And on the other hand, it wants to be um, an altogether more standard kind of like, you know, thriller. Um, Yeah. and, And it just mangles everything in its attempt to get to this overwrought plot twist and then a like a final couple of scenes that just they almost whiz through them you know 
There's yeah. two minutes of them sitting on a sun lounger, having a nice time, going, oh, look at us, we've got all this money. And then the next thing you know, he's being hacked to death in his bed, and that's your lot. And, well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's spoiler Sophia alert, reading the book and finding out all about the uh, the plot, which, I mean, you would have thought that yeah. at some point someone would have told them. Why did they keep the book? Why, why did they keep the cookeries? <laughs> Maybe they just keep yeah. turning up. That would be uncanny. Why? Why all of this? Why did that inspire her to go and murder them? Well, to be honest, because if the book is just listing it as a bunch of paranormal stuff, then the book is just listing it as a bunch of paranormal stuff. And as far as she's concerned, I assume that's what it was. It doesn't make any sense. Well, no. I mean, when you hold it up to the light, you probably uh, you're probably right. Why? Yeah. I mean, like I say, why would? Her reading that book make her realise it was him all along and then go and hack him I've to death. I've read somewhere that it could be construed as that she becomes possessed by... But possessed by what? We've already established there isn't anything. Yeah, again. <laughs> again, it's like, you know, is it paranormal or not? I don't know, and I don't think the people who wrote it did either. And it's a shame, because like I say, stylistically it's lovely. Yeah. Um, it's shot on film, so it looks great. It's well, got that yeah. really kind of late 70s, kind of gritty sort of feel to it. Good cast. Um, it's got a good cast. It's The music was surprising, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> if if anybody's familiar with the French cartoon series Watu Watu, oh, Super Bird, it's very similar to that. Very similar. In fact, for a minute, I thought it might be... I can only assume, I can only assume that it's a library piece and it's and it was like on the same album as the theme music to Watu Watu because it really does sound like it and it's not really horror music. No. So I liked that because I like really incongruous things like that. I like the way it was filmed. The acting performances were decent with one particular standout. But that's about all I've got. That's it uh, for the good sides of it. And the bad side is this just infuriating mess of a plot that doesn't seem to have been written by people who know how to realistically move a plot forward. It's difficult to know exactly what you could do to um, make the plot of this more watertight i just think you have to move away from one or other side of it either it is paranormal fine cool down with that yeah um or 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 you have to be in on it yourself or you have to know what he's up to yeah exactly you've got to know yeah that he is a nefarious agent new feature yes New feature. On the fly. Brand new. Yeah, on the fly. I want to know what your week has been in crap TV. Because I know you. Hmm. And I know that you won't have just left it at Hammer House of Horror. You'll have been watching other terrible old stuff on YouTube. Well, I mean, actually... One of the things I've been watching on YouTube this week, which isn't necessarily going to interest you, Hmm. has been... (laughs) has <laughs> been and i'm revealing this not necessarily because i'm proud of it but because but because it is true 
I mean, watching a lot of videos of uh, reptiles shedding their skin. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake! <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, I've always, I've always fancied the idea of doing it. You know, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing for a human being to be able to do? Just um, a couple of times a year, shed your entire skin, just a whole lot. Just oh, get that shit off me. It's a, that's an interesting choice. I've been quite well behaved in, in as regards um, bad TV. In terms I, of- I have, I have as well. Actually, I'm just looking through my history, thinking, well, there'll be a ton of stuff in here. But actually, I watched about twenty minutes of an episode of Tis Was from January 1981, <laughs> um, which managed to be racist twice in its first opening wow. thirty seconds. That's pretty good going. Um, I watched an episode of Robin's Nest. I wow! I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What it was on there? Earth? It was there. Good, good music. I recommend the Robin's Nest music. And I watched the match of the day from the seventh of January, nineteen eighty nine. So I watched those, and mm. actually nothing else. I, I, actually, looking at my 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 YouTube history, it's entirely taken up with Baby Shark and Paw Patrol. So um, yeah, well that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I my YouTube history is obviously aside from all the terrible terrible things, yeah. um, relatively free of old television although i have in the last week watched around the world in 80 days with michael palin again oh that doesn't count because that's good tv which is currently on the iplayer for yeah, anyone who that wants to yeah uh, no that doesn't we I, I can't i can't allow that i'm afraid and uh, i i watched um 1066 a year to conquer england a three-part documentary with dan snow <laughs> also on the iplayer Dribbling maniac. Look, I, I tell like you what I that. did get. I tell you what I did get. The best of the Central Office of Information. Oh. And this particular compilation has got all your favourites on it. I mean, it's not like the little public information films. It's all the feature oh, length ones. Sweet. So it's the Jesus the finishing Christ. line. Never talk to strangers. Never talk to strangers is the scariest thing I've ever seen. It's on YouTube. If you want horror and you want to be scared, like properly scared out of your fucking wits. Actually. British public information films of the 1970s and 80s is a good place to start. Oh, sorry. Never, Never go with strangers, not never talk to strangers. Oh, okay. Isn't yeah? Never talk to strangers is a Charlie says, isn't it? Yeah, never go with strangers. It's on. Uh, it's on YouTube. If you type it in, never talk. Never go with strangers. Nineteen seventy-one. That's even. That's that's a much darker sentiment. Isn't it's it? really never, never really. talk to strangers. Fair enough. Yeah, never, never go, go with. Oh no! This is like a series hell. of reconstructions of kids going with strangers. Well, that it, it never ends well, kids. Just say no. Further spoiler alerts, you know. Fuck and I tell you what, there's so many of them on YouTube. You could drive yourself insane. No, I mean, I actually, I have to say, I did quite enjoy that new feature, but I am afeard that I will now be doing extracurricular bad TV watching just to have a fun answer every week. Extra creamy centres. <laughs> While we're talking about. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ. Quality in street strikes again. Yeah. While we're talking about uh, extracurricular activity in YouTube, anyone who enjoys a portmanteau horror might be interested to know, if you go to FlickVault HD on YouTube, uh, you can watch Dr. Terror's House of Horrors uh, in HD for free. And the legality of that is obviously uh, questionable. Oh my god, they've got what's good for the goose. (laughs) They they have got what's good for the goose. We should do a special about that. There should be no special about what's good for the goose. Before you get too deep in Flick Vault HD, you yes, dickwind, um, <laughs> what's, what's on the menu for next week? Well, I've got a case, a very, very serious case. Of Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> the only so, description. The, the only prescription is the 1979 World Disco Dancing Championships. And it is going to be awesome. I advise that anyone who's particularly interested in the World Disco Dancing Championships watches it before they listen to the episode because there will be spoilers. <laughs> I don't know. Who are the favourites? Who knows? Yeah, the 1979 World Disco Dancing Championships, because why the fuck not? I mean, that's going to that's well, be is, some it, sweet television viewing. It is <laughs> a fine example of our, because it was their ethos, I think. I mean, look, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, the best thing that can happen is it gets taken off YouTube before I have to watch it. So so the worst thing that could happen is that that doesn't happen. No, it's on YouTube. I've just found it. Dick. Well, so, well, uh, I've got know. a week. <laughs> what, I'm gonna, I'm, oh, Yeah, I'm going yeah, to give planet. it... Oh, this is going to be brinksmanship on my part. <laughs> And don't forget, you've got to you've got to watch something else as well for a creamy, creamy nugget. Oh yeah, the creamy centre. The creamy centre. God, ah, oh, it's like salted caramel. Jesus, <laughs> salted licorice. Ah <laughs> oh, dear. Right, that's it. We're done. Enough. Yeah. Ah <laughs> oh, dear. Right, we will be back same time next week. Thanks very much for listening, and goodbye.
Oh yeah, I did do that. Oh good. I'm just going. How long ago was that? Oh yeah, that, that was Saturday. It's a lot of Paw Patrol on here. Oh, well, I'm not surprised. And a lot of Baby Shark. Fucking Baby Shark. What a prick. <laughs> he is a prick. He is a prick. By the way. No, there's no denying that. 